Welcome back, friends, to part four of our series on the four streams. We're almost done, and uh, yet I wish that we could go on for another four CDs to really unpack these things, and we'll have to trust that to God and all that he brings you in your life to enrich what we've tried to lay out here. The last stream is the stream of healing, deep inner healing, the deep restoring work of Christ in our souls. Now, I don't want to rank these four streams. We need all four. All four usually depend on the others. There's an interplay. There's a relationship. But I think if I were forced to choose to set a kind of significance or priority, I would have to pick this one as the most profound or the most important. Perhaps that's because it's been most neglected by the church. We haven't really understood the deep restoration ministry of Jesus, but perhaps also because I've seen its significance in my life and in the lives of those I've counseled, the life of my family and my friends. This stream, the stream of Jesus coming and healing our deep brokenness, is so beautiful and so life-changing. Let me offer a couple words by introduction. First, I don't know that we'll ever understand this. Uh, for the more logically oriented of you, I don't think you'll ever be able to dissect the human personality. What do we mean by deep brokenness? What part of us is broken? How does that actually function? What are the mechanics of it? I don't think you ever get that. I think what we simply can accept and understand is that Jesus offers healing to the brokenhearted, and therefore something in our hearts must be broken. And that in our experience, you'll find that we reach a point where we are stuck, that something in us seems pinned down. It feels young. It feels connected to some event in our life, and it needs healing. It needs restoration. So as Chesterton said, if we can just allow for mystery in the Christian life, we can really move forward a great deal. If we insist on understanding everything to the minutia, we probably won't experience all that Christ has for us. Let's enter in now to the beauty of the stream of deep healing. I stepped out just for a moment on the balcony before we got started, just to kind of drink in a little bit of the sunlight and warmth and, and uh, just lingering there for a moment. And I just said to God, I love you. And this breeze just sort of caressed my face in response. He does that sort of thing all the time. And he wants to be so intimate with us, personal, just saying in ways that, that would be your language, which I might not get, but in language you understand and is valuable to you, he wants to say, your heart matters to me. Your heart is good. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you will know that I am the Lord. The God of Israel who summons you by name. You ever had, uh, had that experience? Well, part of me wants to, but another part of me doesn't. Sure, we've all used that phrase. Part of me wants to move towards Stacy, part of me doesn't. You know, part of me loves writing, loves it. Another part of me, you know, not sure I want to go there might be exposed, not sure I have what it takes to do it, you know, the ambivalence, right? 
part of me wants to, another part of me doesn't. There is more being said in that than I think we know. It is actually a profound truth. It is much more descriptive, I think, than we realize. What we are describing there is a house divided. There's some deep ambivalence in us. There's something that's not wholehearted yet. Those little phobias that you have. Why is it that some of you would be terrified for me to call you up here and just ask you to take over the rest of the session? And why is it that others of you just cringe when your parents call? Why is it that you can't seem to to break that little addiction that you have to sweets, right? Or to television, or to video games, or to whatever it is that you just, you sort of feel embarrassed by, and it's kind of a nuisance, but for the life of you, you can't stop biting your nails or whatever it is, right? All that stuff, why does something in you just freeze when somebody starts to get intimate with you, or maybe starts crying in your presence? Why is it that some of you cannot bring yourself to release control of your life? That you have to have things buttoned down. And when your control is threatened, I mean, anger there so quickly. Part of you just feels, do I not walk with God? Has he done no work in my life? Why does this keep coming up? Why does this keep happening to me? And why, for others of you, will you never take charge? I mean, some of you can't stop taking charge, and others of you can't bring yourself to take charge. You see the opportunity, you're invited. You know, you're given a promotion opportunity at work, or, you know, somebody asks you to come up and and join them in something, and, you know, and you shrink back. What is with all that? Emotions that just, boom, come out of nowhere. You're watching a movie, and all of a sudden, you are so choked up, And you couldn't, for the life of you, explain why. You don't know where that came from. God, why am I so emotional at that, you know? Or why is it that the woman has this pull on you that, again, you can't explain, feel guilty about? Maybe you're doing your best to conquer with discipline, but, man, there is some pull there. Where is all that coming from? That is not all your battle with your flesh. There's something else going on down in there that I want to explore as we enter into the fourth stream, which is the stream of healing. We've talked about the stream of discipleship. We've got to find a better word for it. I just want to call it walking with God, right? It's just the stream of walking with God. And it really is the first stream because all the others flow from it and we need it for all the others. But as we learn to walk with God, we suddenly find ourselves, right, in a great battle. We realize, whoa, we really are at war. We need the stream of warfare to be free, to break through, to get to the freedom in life that we want. And as we walk with God and war for our hearts, we discover that we need his deep counsel. There is not all truth down there in the inmost being. There are other things that rule us, other convictions, beliefs, And this remains true deep into our Christian life. We need the counselor. He has come to stay. 
to walk with us all our days. And you know, yesterday, boom, suddenly more clarity. I'm not enough. It's not enough. Whatever it is, I'm really like, wow, God's putting some things together and giving me more of my heart back. I want that. I want to be wholehearted. I, I want to love wholeheartedly. I want to play wholeheartedly. I want to be a friend wholeheartedly. I want to war wholeheartedly. I want to be wholehearted. And then there's this fourth stream, the stream of healing. At a sacred romance conference, or a retreat, I think it was, a number of years ago now, during one of the breaks, a woman came up to tell me her story. She was in her mid-50s, and uh, she was just beside herself because she could not stop collecting teddy bears. It's a true story. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued. What's the, you know, and she said, it started just in my bedroom, and I just, you know, I'd kind of collect them, put them on the bed and kind of thing, and then posters of them. Finally, it had overrun the whole house. And she was in despair, not so much because of that, but because her husband was, was going to leave her. He's a good guy, and he had hung in there for a lot of years. But finally, it was just driving him nuts. I mean, the house was overrun by them. I think they had counted them at one point, and it was like 460 or something. You know, teddy bear plates, teddy bear pillows, you know, lots of the things themselves, you know, large and small and different colors and outfits. And, I mean, and she could not bring herself to stop. What do you make of that? Is that sin? No. No, that's something else. That's something else going wrong in the soul. So I asked her to tell me her story. Boom, right there. When she was a little girl, she had a favorite friend, a teddy bear, which was her special little pal. You know how sometimes children really bond with a little object, and for her as a little girl, it was this little teddy bear. And, uh, he, you know, he went everywhere with her, right? I mean, on family trips, he'd sit in the car with her. And then it was, you know, first day of kindergarten, he went, you know, in her backpack with her to school. You know how it works. And, uh, you know, he had the, the place of honor in her bedroom at night on her pillow, right? The other stuffed animals, we, you know, but, but the teddy bear was right there. And then one afternoon, her father, in a fit of rage, ripped the head off the teddy bear in front of her to teach her a lesson. And something happened in her. It wasn't just about the teddy bear, obviously. It was about daddy and security. I mean, a little girl needs to know she's safe. She needs to know she's secure. She needs to know her daddy will protect her and defend her. And the violence of that act, while it may seem kind of simple to us, bad moment, lost a stuffed animal, for her, it shattered something in her soul. There was a rift in her heart. And all of that activity over the years, as a you know, mid-50-year-old woman, unable to stop trying to find some sort of healing and relief, those attempts at collecting bears, finding enough or the right one or something, yeah, you're right, that's not a rational act. The heart of a person is like deep water. That's coming from somewhere down below reason, and no amount of reason can talk her out of it, right? That doesn't work. Something else is going on there, something down at the level of the heart. There's an attempt 
It's a reach for repair. It's a reparative reach. It's a grasp at some kind of comfort, healing, a return of something lost. All that is an attempt to heal something broken within. And that's exactly what Isaiah is describing. I want to go back to Isaiah 61 and look at the promise of the Messiah one more time. Jesus says that my central purpose on the earth, my primary mission to mankind is to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free. And that word brokenhearted, that is not a metaphor. The Bible does use a lot of metaphors, right? Jesus says, I am the door. Well, he's not actually a door, right? I mean, he doesn't have hinges on him and a knob. You know, it's a picture. It's a metaphor, right? He is the lamb of God. Well, he's not, I mean, he's not actually a lamb, right? It's a me- the Bible uses a lot of metaphor, but this is not a metaphor. The, the word, the Hebrew, leb shabar, literally means shattered. It is a literal term. Elsewhere in Isaiah, in Isaiah 27, 11, he uses the same word to describe a dry bush whose twigs are broken off. The snapping of a dry twig. The breaking of a branch. And then in Isaiah 21 verse 9, he uses the same phrase to describe the idols of Babylon that lie shattered on the ground. Like what happens when you knock a vase off a table, right? Or your grandma's favorite porcelain, you know, piece of statuary, and and it, it shatters on the ground. It's literally broken. And in Isaiah 38 verse 13, he uses it to describe a broken bone, right? Compound fracture. It's not a metaphor. The heart can be broken, literally. It is a thing. It is a a kind of substance. It is part of God's creation. And as such, it can be broken. Things happen to us. Words are spoken. Moments, events in our life that create these rifts in the soul. Now remember, the offer of Isaiah of the Messiah there in Isaiah is to everyone, right? He's not saying, I have come to comfort those who have lost a loved one, and for the rest of you, carry on. You know, you're doing fine. Now, the, <laughs> the offer is to all of us, right? I've come for you. So we must all be the broken heart. We must all be the captive of heart as well. And if you look around, you'll see it's true. Young man called me last summer on the phone. He was driving back into Colorado Springs, and he was beside himself. I don't know him real well. Um, we had met a construction worker guy, neat guy, kind of guy you just sort of like being around, um, sort of a man's man. But he called me out of the blue. He was driving back into Colorado Springs, and he was having what he was describing as a panic attack anxiety, some hyperventilating, fear, and an enormous amount of tears. So I said, okay, all right, you know, let's meet, come on by the house, you know, I want to talk to you for a little bit. His story is that he's fallen in love, and he is terrified of losing her. In fact, the pattern goes, whenever he gets close to anyone, 
He starts having these anxiety attacks, these panic attacks, this, you know, and weeping uncontrollably. Now, I mean, you meet this guy, you would never have guessed this. I mean, he's strong, you know, framer, construction worker type guy, very self-confident, self-assured, very humble guy, Christian, for many, many, many years, ever since he was a little boy. But whoa, whoa, what is this? You know, where is that coming from? So you've got to hear the story. Ask him to tell me a story when he was, I think it was 10. He's an only child, loved his early family life, good life. When he was 10, his dad sat he and his mom down and announced that he was leaving. Very calmly, there was no shouting, there was no abuse. Just very calmly sat them both down and said, I'm done. Take care of your mom. Goodbye. Walked out the door. A rift in the soul took place. Not just a wound, not not just an arrow, but something breaks in our heart in moments like that. And it stays young and frightened and abandoned no matter how much farther we go on with God. There's something that is not whole within this man. I said, if you listen to the wounds, there's a theme to them. Same thing happened in college. Fell in love. Great gal. Got engaged. She broke it off. Abandonment, right? Rejection. Betrayal. And so now he longs to be married. He'd love to have a family. It's been one of his lifelong desires. But when he gets close to someone, he just starts wigging out anxiety, fear, and it is deeper than reason, and it is beneath counsel. Counsel won't touch that. It won't. That stream is not enough. He is not under warfare. He is not merely wounded. He doesn't need discipleship. He needs healing. That woman needs healing. He's the deep Isaiah 61 ministry of Jesus to come to these shattered places within us. And so much of our um, inexplicable emotions, anger, you know, or fear, or, you know, whatever it is, anxiety, or uh, a sudden sense of just sadness that we can't explain, these phobias that we can't break, some of our addictions, so much of that stuff comes out of a broken heart. There's something within all of us down deep inside that has been broken. Again, the offer of Christ, I want to heal the broken hearted. Literally, the shattered of heart. I was, um, went on a backpacking trip two years ago now. Needed to get away. Just one of those times that I had to, I had to get away with God. It had been a long, intense spring and kind of like the, the recent Joshua Tree trip. So, took Scout, my golden retriever, and my backpack, and went up uh, very close to here uh, in the Collegiate uh, Peaks Wilderness area up by the Three Apostles, and hiked in and spent four days just by myself with God. First day was so hard. I mean, withdrawing from the matrix is so hard. No one needs me, you know? I don't need to talk to anyone. There is an email to check, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, it's withdrawal, you know? It's like I had the DTs. Very hard first day. And then the second day, God began to speak and to minister, and, and it was a good time. I was journaling and just kind of walking around and stuff. And, and then on the third day, I decided that I wanted to cross from this one valley I was in 
over this high mountain ridge down into this other valley. And there's no trail that leads to it, but I was looking at a topo, and it looked like it could be done. And I'd even met the ranger near the trailhead on the first day, and I had asked him, I said, does anybody ever cross over into Silver Basin and come out that way? And he says, yeah, actually, some people do it. You know, it can be done. So third day, pack up camp, Scout and I take off and uh, get up to the edge of this ridge, and I look down the other side. It looks unnavigable. I mean, it's just whoosh. It just drops off. But I can kind of see a game trail, and I'm thinking it can be done. So I begin working my way sort of carefully down the, this pretty steep uh, other side of this ridge, about 12,000 feet elevation, and working my way down. And after about 150 feet of this, it just disappears. It just, it's gone. And it's about a 750 foot, just straight fall. And I'm like, dang, got to turn around and go back. And, and uh, Scout at this point, bless his heart, is freaking out, you know. <laughs> The dog has never been more obedient in his life. You know, I would, I would say, stay. You know, he'd kind of sit there. And, and, and I, got, I actually got to the point where I had to leave the dog and climb back up to the top, dump the backpack, come back down for the dog, and then get him out of it. Little footnote to the story. About a week later, one of the guys who prays for, for us, for Ransomed Heart, one of our intercessors sends me an email. He says, John, don't know what this means. feel like something might be coming up. But I saw this picture of the Lord reaching down and, and sort of pulling you out of a dangerous situation. I'm like, yeah, it happened. Uh, it was a while ago. But thanks for the heads up. Um, so anyway, get, get back up over the ridge, get the dog. And then it's this long hike back through this scree field. And it was, you know, I get back to camp. I'm right back to the place that I left that morning, set the tent back up in the same you know, spot. And I'm like, God, what was that about? And it was getting cold, so I went and sat up on this rock kind of in the last rays of the sun to just sort of sit there and, and get warm and just sort of, Jesus, do you want to say something to me about that? And all of a sudden, there were these tears. And I felt this young, frightened place in me, sort of showing up, coming, coming up to the surface. And as I was just sort of sitting there, just being still and quiet before God, it was as if I tuned into a conversation between Jesus and my own heart. And that's kind of distraction, kind of quiet, quiet, listening inside. And Jesus had just asked my heart, this young place in me, a question. Something like, why are you frightened? Why are you crying? And I could hear this sort of this young voice within me say, he always does that to me. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, because it's true. It's true. I get myself in these situations. Um, I ask too much of my heart. I do that. And then I could feel, it was almost just as if the gaze of Christ turned to the older me, you know, it was sort of watching this. And he says, you know, it's true, John. He says, you are very unkind to those young and frightened places in your heart. Ah, oh, Jesus, it's true. It's true. I'm sorry. I don't like those young places. I don't like feeling young or frightened or vulnerable, right? I mean, we all want to be a man, come through, be brave, right? And we tend to be very unkind 
That's really how most of us handle our brokenness. We don't like it, don't like the fact that we're broken. We don't like these things to surface, especially not in a key meeting, right? Or in a crucial moment with our wife or at the very moment that we're stepping up, right, to give a talk, you know? And suddenly, you know, their loneliness shows up or sadness or fear or rage or whatever, you know, and we tend to take these broken places and just shove them away. I believe Christ let that happen to raise this in my heart, to bring it to the surface. What's he up to in your life? What's he? He's always up to something, right? And what he is most often up to is trying to give you back your heart. And so he'll raise these things. He'll take you there. Events will happen. Words are spoken. Or suddenly, just you're driving down the road, and you suddenly remember. There's a song on the radio, right, from 1972, and boom, you are back there. And it all of a sudden, the emotion, the feeling is all back. What will you do with that place? So Christ kind of turns to me, and I almost felt like I had to ask his forgiveness for the way that I have handled this young, frightened place in me. And so I did. I said, Jesus, it's true. It's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I kind of demand this of myself. And then I, I felt that Christ turned almost back to this young place and began to speak to that place in my heart again. And I don't remember all the conversation accurately now, but it was very tender, very kind, very loving of Christ, that place, very merciful. And, and then eventually the question was, will you let me heal you? Christ wants to bring those broken places back into wholeness. He wants to gather up our fragments and reunite our heart like that shattered vase or like that broken twig. He, he wants to bring that brokenness back together and restore it. He really wants wholeheartedness for us. I want to heal your heart, mend it, restore it, and then set you free from all the captivity to darkness. Because in that brokenness, that's usually where the enemy attacks. The enemy is a bully. And he doesn't usually come after the strong parts of you, right? He tries to find the chink in the armor or whatever. What he's usually looking for, though, is actually those young places. He looks for your brokenness and he tries to camp there, right? That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. Certain places can allow strongholds. Well, what we've discovered over time is that those places tend to be these broken parts of our heart. The heart can be broken, literally. It can be shattered. And what you'll discover is that part of your heart where the rift occurred stays at the age that it happened. Feeling all the things that it was feeling, it will stay stuck there. It will stay sort of broken off and isolated there. So much of what the psychological world has tried to explain as you know, multiple personality disorder or dissociate you know, disorders is what Isaiah is simply describing. You have a heart, your heart has been shattered, broken. Rifts have occurred. Wounds so deep that an actual break takes place. Now, not every wound does this. Sometimes it's just, ooh, that stung. Ooh, that hurt, you know? But sometimes, especially when we're young and feeling vulnerable and defenseless and we don't, we don't know how to process life, 
it's so intense, it's so defining to us that actual brokenness occurs. And so here's this woman at 57, right? But there's a little, I don't know, six-year-old girl in there. She's the one causing the collection of the teddy bears, right? The 57-year-old wants to stop it. She doesn't want to do this. She's about to lose her marriage over it. But there's something in her heart that's desperate, something that's unhealed. And as we go back in there, we find here's this little girl still crying, still broken, still frightened over what happened. I want to make a couple things very clear. First off, you do not get through this world with a whole heart. This is the Iadrang Valley. You were born into a world far different than the one your soul was designed for. Okay? Your heart was designed to live in a world of tremendous security and safety when you're young, validation, love, where you would be naked as Adam and Eve were and without shame. But that's not our story. Our story is like Joseph, right? Who are you, dreamer? Or like David, I know how wicked your heart is. Or or even like Jesus. See, even Jesus suffered misunderstanding by his family, right? John reports in in chapter 7 that his brothers didn't believe in him. Not early, right? I'm like, hey, come on. If you want to be the Messiah, go up to the feast, right? Show yourself. Be a public personality. Even just to simply be missed. Christ lived with that. We were not born into a world where our heart was sought and celebrated and discovered and called out and blessed. You do not get through this world with a whole heart. So whatever you're doing with this particular talk, I just want to put Isaiah 61 in front of you. Christ is assuming we are shattered. Christ is assuming we are the broken-hearted. Not just merely grieving or sad or lonely, but that the soul is not whole. It is not what it was meant to be. That's number one. I wanted to make that clear. Nobody gets through this world with a whole heart. You just don't get through the Iodrang Valley without being traumatized. Number two, it doesn't have to be some massive incident. It doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It doesn't have to be flagrant abandonment. You're you're literally left as a five-year-old on a street corner and your parents drive off. It can be very simple events. Words spoken, opportunities missed, simply loneliness. One of the men that I was working with several years ago who had a pornography addiction, what it came back to had nothing to do with pornography. The pornography, see this is where Joseph Nicolosi's book on the reparative therapy for homosexuality is brilliant. Nicolosi understands that the homosexual is reaching for something and it's masculine love. See, and it is an attempt to heal, to repair something in the soul. It's a reparative reach as hers was with the teddy bears. As we turn to all kinds of things to try and find healing for our soul. And in this man's case, it was the woman, as so many of us have done, because she is a source of comfort and mercy. She is. I mean, Eve embodies the tender mercy and beauty of God and life. And in his case, it had nothing to do with sexuality. It wasn't about that. There was something deep and broken within him. And all it was, was that the folks had remodeled the home when he was about eight years old, 
finish the attic off, kind of tried to put some, some drywall up and turn it into a bedroom, and he was sent there. That would be his room. But the rest of the family was two stories down. He was a frightened, tender boy, and they kind of just laughed it off, you know? But what he felt was incredible loneliness, and there was a rift in the soul. And the reach for the woman was an attempt to find some sort of comfort, repair for that eight-year-old boy inside was still sort of sitting upstairs alone and no one cared and no one would come for him. So point one, everybody gets broken in this world. Point two, it doesn't have to be something massive. Not necessarily. Now, massive things, guaranteed. I mean, I just want to tell you, guaranteed. You know, violence... Violent words, abandonment, abuse, guaranteed there is brokenness there. Christ is assuming it. And what he wants to do is to come and to heal those places within us, simply suffering shame or loneliness or fear, anger, rage at you, feelings of abandonment. It doesn't have to be major abuse, and that trips a lot of people up. But those, uh, the signs and symptoms of brokenness can simply start with just feeling stuck. There's just something you can never get past. I can't ever get past this nagging sense of guilt. And I don't even know where it's coming from. Or I just can't get past this fear of public speaking or intimacy or getting close to men or whatever, you know, something that's stuck there or emotions that pop up out of nowhere, just boom. Something can just trigger anger and you have no idea where it's coming from. Certain things you just can't do. Certain things you just can't. I just can't be intimate with my father or I just can't show my feelings to my wife or I just can't take charge of a situation. I, I don't want to be called upon. Don't, 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 don't call on me. Don't, you know, I just can't bring myself to trust. Something that you just find that you can't do or that reach for something or someone to bring comfort, mercy, relief. Are you aware what I'm describing? Is there something in you that's beginning to resonate a little bit with it? Either you've seen it in others or maybe begin to identify it in yourself. Are there certain situations in which you feel very young? You don't feel 45. You don't feel 32. You don't feel 27. Something in you, when you get into those situations, you feel nine, you know? And you don't know why, but it's just a feeling. It's an impression. It's like, Callie, I just, I hate this, but I, something in me feels young. Right, exactly. That's what I'm trying to describe. It is. It's not metaphor. It's not parable. It's not an illustration. We are the broken hearted. And there is brokenness deep within all of us. Christ raised this situation with me to raise this young and frightened place because what he wants to do is he wants to bring that young, broken rift and he wants to literally, supernaturally mend it to the whole. The stream of healing is the intimate, supernatural presence of Christ within the broken heart to make it whole. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most stunning 
and beautiful things that you will discover as you walk with God. That he really does want your whole heart back, parts of your heart that you've just decided to live without. Well, I just, you know, I don't need that anymore. I'll just put that behind me. Uh-uh. He wants your whole heart, and he wants to mend it. And he comes to these young places and ministers to them and sort of brings that young part back. You know, I know a good guy who, it depends on the moment you catch him. Sometimes when you're talking to him, he's present, and he seems so captured for Christ, and he's there. And then the next moment, he is so lost in his business. So completely, you know, it's almost, it's not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm not talking about some, you know, wicked thing. But there are two people there. I mean, there really are. He is on again, off again. You're like, what is with that? Most of us decide to just get beyond it all. Just get past it. Most of us have simply tried to, I'll just live with whatever part of my heart I've got left and try and do the best I can. But Jesus says, I want to give you your whole heart back. That's my mission as the Messiah. The glory of God is man fully alive. I want to give you your whole heart back. He quotes Isaiah 61. This is why God sent me to heal the brokenness of your heart and set you free from all the captivity and the warfare and the darkness, right? Yeah, Jesus lives in all four streams. And to be restored as men, we need all four streams. I want you to notice the stream of healing is the one that he illustrates the most in his miracles. What are all the miracles about? The blind see, right? The lame walk. Right? The leper is cleansed, the deaf hear. What do the miracles illustrate? What's going on there? Restoration. Right? What was broken is brought back to wholeness, to what it was meant to be. It's so simple. I don't know how we've missed this. Christianity is not about morality. Morality is the result of what happens to you through Christ, right? You just end up wanting what is right. You know, you don't need duty anymore because you want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you want to love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to be told to. That's the liberty of a good heart, right? And so when you look at all the things, he says, I want to restore you. I want to give you back your whole soul. You, the you I made. I want to restore you. That's what he's illustrating through all those actions. Whenever Jesus gets a hold of a person, they walk away whole don't they? And free. That's what he does. That's his effect on people. I want my whole heart back. That is a beautiful prayer to simply ask Jesus. Jesus, I want my whole heart back. Okay. Okay. I'm tired of limping. I'm tired of just getting by with just a crutch. You know, I, I don't want to live half-hearted anymore. I don't want to be ruled by these things, whether it's my anger that flies out of nowhere or it's my insecurity that just pops up at the most inopportune moments or it's this embarrassing addiction that I cannot get rid of. Jesus, I want my whole heart back. You ask him that, he'll do it. It's what he said he came to do. It's the central mission of Christ. 
the number one deal. Everything else comes under that umbrella. Everything else he says and does comes under the Isaiah 61 banner. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to set you free. Good film to see on this would be Antoine Fisher. I don't know if some of you, if you haven't had a chance to see that, it's a very powerful story of a young man in the Navy who finds himself with this anger. He's a violent man. I mean, he finds himself. You provoke him and boom, you know, whoa. Whoa, time out, what is going on there, right? And he's got to take a journey back to these moments in his past where as a boy, he lost his heart. Something was broken and it needs to be mended. He needs to be made whole. In fact, you know what's really interesting? You know what will tell you, what will indicate to you the broken places in your heart? The warfare that comes against you. See, the enemy must know something. Why fear? Why does he use that against you? Or why shame? Why does he use that against you as opposed to something else? Because he knows. He know, he's a bully. He knows those broken places in you, and it's those that he tries to come after and pin down, right? Because the Isaiah 61 thing is a two-part thing. I want to heal your heart, and I want to set it free from darkness. Because... That's where the darkness comes to try and pin your heart down. And so you can use the warfare as a diagnostic. All right? You can use it, okay, why that? Why does that keep coming back? Why is the enemy sending that particular thing? Well, you ask God. Okay, Lord, I want to know. Rather than just fighting it off every dime, tell me why they're using that. What do they know about me that I don't know about me? And then, boom, it's a helpful way of going into into the situation, or when the emotions come up, or simply asking Christ, I want my whole heart back. You see, learning to walk with God leads to counseling, that just his words of tenderness, kindness, bringing the truth in your innermost being, and counseling leads to the deep healing. We're going deeper and deeper into the heart and into the restoration of the whole man. And so, in that day on the rock, up in the, in the Three Apostles wilderness area, I just wept allowed this young place to surface in me instead of pushing him away and pushing him away and listen for the voice of God. And he will speak to that young place and he will come and bring words, but more, more. Ultimately, what he asked this place in my heart was, will you let me heal you? Christ needs permission. Remember that famous passage in Revelation, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man you know, will open the door, I will come in and sup with him. That principle remains true into our Christian life. Yes, it's about salvation, right? You either shut Christ out or you let him in, but it also applies to these places in our hearts that he has not had access. He has not had permission to. We've sealed them up, pushed them away, lock and key, you know, and Christ comes and says, will you let me? Can I have access to that part of your heart? And will you let this part of your heart come back? Now, will you embrace this part that for so many years you were just ashamed about or frightened of or didn't like? I mean, so many men are so cruel to their own brokenness. They hate their brokenness. And, and they end up adding to it. You know, whenever it shows itself up, they start doing it to themselves. You know, weenie, I hate that about myself. 
And, you know, it's almost like they turn against their brokenness. And Christ is saying, oh, oh, you let the little children come unto me, right? It would be better that a millstone were thrown around your neck and you were cast in the sea. Do not be unkind to your own heart. Do not be unkind to your own brokenness. This is the beauty of walking with God. It's, first off, it's not up to you. It's simply giving Christ access and permission and then going with him whatever it is he asks of you. Okay, so here's how the day of healing went for me. Christ turns to the young part and says, will you let me heal you? In other words, he wants to bring that young part and literally reintegrate it into the personality, into the whole. He wants the shattered soul reintegrated into a whole. It's a beautiful, intimate, and mysterious work of God's deep calling unto deep, right? But you can listen, and you can hear, and the older you, see, the older you is able to process now. The little guy couldn't process what was going on. He didn't know what he was feeling. He didn't know why that happened, right? But now, the older you can sort of cooperate with Jesus rather than shoving away, pushing down, denying, minimizing, or worse, accusing, you know, and he'll guide you. And I'm going to walk you through this right now. Okay, I'm going to show you how this works, how Christ comes to us, because he wants to come to that young place. Will you let me heal you? And here's what that place said. He said, only if he won't do that to me anymore. This little part of my heart was not trusting me, right? Because I was being a bully to myself, you know, hating my brokenness, hating that vulnerable place in me, asking too much of it, right? And so then I felt the gaze, Christ, turn back to older John. I'm like, uh oh, you know. And Jesus says, John. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for how ruthless I have been to my own heart. I have literally hated those young places within me. And I repent. I repent. And I will not do that to my heart anymore. And with that assurance, with that assurance, Christ turns to the young part, and some really beautiful things take place there. But what generally usually happens, at some point, there'll be words, words of kindness. I was praying with a a dear friend just the other day through kind of this healing prayer, and there was a little girl in her, abandoned by her daddy. She was about eight years old, and, and Jesus usually asks at some point, will you let me heal you? And the little girl in her said, but he won't come but he won't come. She was stuck there. And Jesus had to bring words of comfort and assurance. And it was amazing. Some of the things he said to her was, I'm working on your daddy. I'm working on him. You know, I'm coming after him too, but I will always be there for you. I will come for you. I'll always be there for you. And then that brought the assurance. So this frightened part would kind of come out of hiding. And then Jesus usually says, will you take my hand? When you walk with me back into healing and wholeness. And then he just does this deep, amazing, beautiful work of bringing the little guy back into the center of our heart, mending the rift is what he's up to. He's taking that shattered soul, that broken bone or twig, that vase on the ground, and he gathers these fragments up and through his presence in our hearts, because that's where he dwells, through his supernatural work, he just does this deep unto deep healing work that he illustrates openly with the blind seeing and the lame walking and the leper being cleansed. But what he really wants to do is do that for your soul, right? I mean, the soul is what he's concerned about. And so he comes and he brings 
a kind of healing and restoration and reintegration there. So the older me had to repent of the way I was treating this broken place in me, my, my brokenness. And then Christ comes to him and, will you let me? And, okay, take my hand and I want to walk with you now and be your friend. And it was amazing. This, until now, if this is the first time you've heard this, I sound schizophrenic. Okay, I'm having a conversation with other parts of me. You know, the Bible teaches the shattered soul. It teaches the broken heart. And if you just dial in, you'll see, oh my gosh, that explains this whole part of my life why I do these things, or why I can't bring myself to do these things, and why nothing has seemed to touch it so far. No amount of counseling, or encouragement, or exhortation, or discipline. Right, you need the fourth stream, the stream that Christ offers people. I've come to heal you, I want to restore you. And he comes, and this young part of me called him Mr. Jesus. Mr. Jesus. It was his, you know, says, uh, yes, Mr. Jesus, you know, I want to be your friend. I want to I be made whole. And, and then he comes and he brings that part of your heart back into your heart and reintegrates your soul, reintegrates the personality, heals the shatteredness to make us whole. And uh, it was amazing. It's, this kind of watching this sort of going on, you know, it's Christ is ministering to me. And then, and then it was kind of quiet for a while. I just kind of felt the presence of God. And then it sort of felt like it was over. You know, done, finished. Now, the sun was down now, and so there was no reason to stay back up there. And so I went back down to camp, and I was going to build a fire. So I went out to just sort of gather firewood. And there was something joyful in my heart. I don't think I've experienced for years. There was just this new joy. I was no longer the driven John that's got to prove himself by doing brave things, you know? There was something in me that said, I don't care if I climb that ridge. I don't need to. I'm not out to prove anything anymore. You know? And I'm just going around and I'm just gathering wood and I'm singing in the woods to myself. You know? and, and there was just something joyful. Right? Well, that's it. I want to give you the oil of gladness right? instead of mourning. That's what he promises right there in Isaiah. I want to bring that to you, my deep healing work in your heart. Again, the, the signs and the symptoms are one indication. Stock can't ever get past it. No amount of counseling, prayer, discipline seems to touch it. That would be one, right? Or emotions out of nowhere. Years into your Christian life, you still, you know, are enraged at silly stuff, you know? Somebody stole your parking place, that kind of thing. Or, or these addictions that you just can't break. You know, something in your soul is reaching for healing. What's that about? You, you, you go deeper than that. Those are some of the signs of it. But really, it, just, it will happen in your walk with God. As you walk with God, he wants to give you your whole heart back. And if you just start with that simple prayer, Jesus, you know what? I want it. I want my whole heart back. I don't want to live half-hearted anymore. Partial John, partial Gary, half a man, right? I want to be a whole, he'll do this. He'll bring it, and he'll raise it up. And then comes the opportunity to just simply invite Christ in. Lord Jesus, what are you saying here? What are you doing in this place in my heart? This is the most foreign stream. And, and you know, if you've read some Leanne Payne, her books on healing prayer, outstanding. They're really great. If you've read some Charles Craft, the anthropology professor at Fuller, his book, Deep Wounds, Deep Healing, great book on this as well. 
But, but this is a stream that Christ is bringing back to the church, and it's been missing for a long time. Well, that concludes the series. And like I said at the beginning of this session, I wish we could go on. There's so much more to say, so much more to unpack here. But we trust God. We trust that as you walk with him, he will reveal this to you. People have asked us, how did we come into the ministry of the four streams? And why these four? And why are we teaching them the way that we do? To be honest, it really just came out of our experience with people. Our heart's desire is to see Isaiah 61 happen for God's people. Healing and the restoration of women and men. The recovery of their hearts. The treasure of the kingdom the release of their masculinity and their femininity, their deep heart and soul into the freedom that Christ offers to us. As we walk with people in that, we found that one stream, the stream of counseling, was not enough. One stream, the stream of discipleship, was not enough. We found that all four streams are needed. All four work together that we need them in order to move into all that Christ has for us. We really sort of just stumbled into it. It's something that Christ has taught us over the years, something that we found verified in the scriptures as we just watched Jesus minister to different people. Sometimes he's casting out a foul spirit, and sometimes he's restoring a deep brokenness, as in Peter's betrayal. Sometimes you see him just teaching people to walk with him, to listen to him, to follow him. And so that's our prayer for you, that Christ will bring this more deeply and more profoundly into your life and that you will be able to offer it to others as well. A couple of closing thoughts. If you want more and you haven't read Waking the Dead, then we'd recommend that you go there. Uh, And also, as I said at the end of the conference, that you do the workbook on Waking the Dead. And particularly, if you want to pursue the healing ministry of Jesus in your own life, those will help you walk through it in a much more personal way. I also want to say that this is not for the experts. This isn't for the trained counselor or the professional pastor. This is for all of God's people. These streams are available to us. They come to us through the ministry of God's Spirit in our lives. And so it's not just for the super spiritual. This really is available, and I hope that you learn how available it is to you. Finally, perhaps a prayer. I said that much of the journey for me started when I said, uh, Jesus, I want my whole heart back. Why don't we close the series by praying together? Jesus, we really do want our whole heart back. We really do want all of that ministry that you describe in Isaiah 61 and in so many other places in Scripture. We want that, and we ask for it that you would bring this to our lives, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would open our ears to hear your voice, that you would teach us to recognize your voice and how to walk with you in a conversational intimacy. Teach us, Jesus, to walk with you. And we ask you, Lord, to expose the works of the enemy in our lives the assaults, the lies, the agreements that we've made with him, the temptations and the strongholds that have taken place and that you deepen our appreciation of your work, the power of your cross, resurrection and ascension to break through 
and defeat the plans of the enemy. We ask you, Jesus, to destroy all that Satan has set up against us and against our hearts. And, O oh Lord, we pray for your counsel, your intimate counsel, that you would bring the truth into our inmost being, and that where there is deep brokenness, that you would meet us there. Jesus, come to these young and forsaken places within us. Take us by the hand and lead us into your heart within us, into your life in our hearts, and heal us, mend us. Jesus, we ask you for restoration, for freedom, for life. And we pray in your name. Amen.